Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Are y'all ready for the Bible today? Y'all are never going to guess in a thousand years the topic that I'm going to preach on today. Freedom. I heard Mike Harris in the back. I heard you online. That's right. Freedom. And some of y'all are already starting to think of uh, the, the, what's the movie? Um, it's not Gladiator. It's the other one. Braveheart. Freedom. Anyhow, freedom is a wonderful thing, isn't it? I was looking up during the, during, uh, the message, while well, it was uh, worshiping today. It's not in my message, that particular verse. It says, where the, this is 2 Corinthians 3.17, or 8, yeah, 17, I think it is. It says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Oh, man. That's just good stuff right there. I feel like we could just all go home. But no, we're not. We're, all right, here we go. Galatians 5.13 says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Would you say free? But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's pray and we'll dive in today. Father, we love you so much today and we just want to thank you, God, for your hand upon this nation. God, we are so blessed and so prosperous. And like anyone in any family, we got a ways to go, but we are so thankful for uh, where we are. And we just ask God for your mercy and your grace, and uh, we honor the favor with which you have treated our nation. Let our prosperity and let our freedom uh, and let who we are as a nation serve to bless the nations. And may the name of Jesus be famous in this nation. And may the name of Jesus be famous in the nations around the world. May we make you known, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray, God, uh, as I share the word today, Lord, let all of our hearts, God, be open to hear something that's specific to us, Lord God. Speak to our hearts individually. And I pray, Lord, for the empowerment of your Holy Spirit, God, to share your word. Your word is so powerful. And let there be a freedom in you that we know and experience and walk out with today. We love you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, you know, when we read that scripture in Galatians 5, it is very clear that God desires his people to be free. Amen? Like, you know, he says it so clearly, right? You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, which means you got to walk in it. If you're called into it, you got to walk in it, right? He's called us to be free and not bound. But it's clear that God has a very particular view about freedom and the purpose of freedom. Freedom is not given to us to indulge in the flesh. Freedom is not um, a cover-up for selfishness. Can I hear an amen? You didn't have to say, ouch, just say amen. Freedom is not a cover-up for selfishness or indulgence in the flesh, but freedom is meant so that I am free to serve others humbly 
and out of love. You know, last week I mentioned a, a story about Abigail. I should tell when I say this story, I should tell people that I have permission to tell this story. Because some of y'all uh, are, who are justice-oriented, you're like, you better have permission to tell that story. I have permission to tell that story. Um, I'm thankful for it. If permission is withdrawn, I will not tell the story. But it is one of my favorite stories from her childhood, um, which sounds kind of weird, but it's because it's a moment in Abigail's life where she experienced the power of the gospel. If you don't know Abigail, she is my, my oldest of four. And um, when she was little, um, she lied. And she would tell you that she lied because she doesn't walk in the shame of it today and she's free of it and that kind of thing. And again, I have permission. Did y'all hear that? I have permission. I am not trying to shame her, okay? I I would not do that. Um, I take that that stuff very seriously with my kids and I appreciate it. But she lied and I remember she was, I would always wait, moms and dads, I would, when it came to lying, I was, I would make sure it was super clear. Like, you know, I wouldn't like, you know, uh, drill in if it was like, are they lying, not they lying? I would just go, you know what, Lord, if they're lying, it's going to be come out and it's going to be super clear. And I remember this one time, I don't even remember what the lie was, to be honest with you. It was super clear. She was, as they say, busted. And, um, we're talking, and I'm not angry or anything. I'm just talking to her like, you know, you lied and that kind of thing. And in this moment, just tears just start shooting out of her eyeballs, you know. And, and she's just like, Dad, Dad. And it's like, I mean, it started to get to kind of like that ugly cry. Poor little, poor little Abigail, eight years old. And if you haven't met Abigail, she was the one doing the announcements um, next to her younger but taller brother. And... Um, she was just crying, and the stuff's coming. I was like, Dad, I wanted to do the right thing. I wanted to tell the truth because I tried. I, I just couldn't. And it was wild because in that moment, y'all are going to think I'm so weird. I got really excited, which sounds like the weirdest response to have to her, you know, because most of us would be like, sure, you could have told the truth. You made it. No, no, there was this excitement because I knew she was being really sincere. Like she really wanted to do the right thing. She just couldn't find the ability within herself. And I was so excited. Something leapt inside of me and was like, yes, that's it. That's it. That is the gospel right there in a nutshell. Like we are not good enough. Jesus is good enough. We can't be good enough. You can't do enough hard work to be good enough. Jesus is good enough. You are not perfect, but Jesus is perfect for us. So many times people calculate their their relationship with God to, now I have to be good. The thing is, if you got a relationship with God, you're going to want to be good. You're going to want to follow after the master. You're going to want to do a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. But when being good and being right is your master, all as opposed to Jesus being your master, you end up in slavery. You end up in slavery to trying to perform. And the fact is, you can't perform. You need his empowerment to enable you to do the right thing. It's Jesus who gives us the power to not have to sin. It's Jesus who gives us the freedom, there it is, the freedom to not have to sin. It's amazing how the way you organize the thought process can radically change the way you live your life. 
You see, the freedom and the power comes from Christ and having Christ in your life. And when you have Christ in your life, then those other things begin to flow. He is the one who is perfect. He is perfect for us, perfect on behalf of us, and he works inside of us the process of making us better all along the way. Can I hear an amen? I wanted to share a story this morning with you about the Apostle Paul today. Um, We can learn a lot about freedom from Paul's life because a lot of us, when we think of Paul, we think of the New Testament scholar and writer and uh, church planner and all these amazing things about his life. And we can sometimes forget that Paul was once Saul. That's what they called him in the New Testament. Not to be confused with there is a Saul in the Old Testament. Saul in the Old Testament was the first king of Israel. Totally different guy, probably taller too. Um, And Paul's story starts in Acts chapter 6 and 7 with a man named Stephen, actually. Because Stephen was a man of God. Acts 6, 8 says this about Stephen. Now Stephen was a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among people. Um, Opposition arose, however, and the reality is that opposition would end in Stephen being the first martyr. And that's probably why you don't hear about Stephen that often is because you hear he's this great man of God and he's done these great things and these miracles. And then quickly in the book of Acts, he's martyred. You know, Stephen wasn't even one of the, um, the apostles. He wasn't one of the 12. He's just, he was a believer who was risen up in that time and that age and just an amazing man of God. And he was the first person to be martyred after the, after the cross for his faith. Um, and what we find is that in Acts chapter 8 verse 1, Paul is standing there approving of Stephen's death. Um, and there was this great persecution that would break out against the church at that moment and it would serve to scatter the church. Um, you don't know how, how smart God is? It's kind of so, I mean, we can never know how smart God is, but here's an example of how smart God is, right? You know, God is always pulling one on the enemy, right? The enemy thinks, man, I'm going to kill this Jesus. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get him off the scene. And the father's like, oh, he's just going to bear the sin of the world, raised from the dead and conquer death in the grave. Booyah! I mean, it's just like every time, right? This opposition rises up against the church. Stephen is killed. They start to scatter the church in fear. You know what happens? People start believing all over the country, all over the Roman Empire. These believers start, they just spread the word is what ended up happening. It's amazing how Christianity can prosper in the midst of persecution. But that's a whole other message. Um, so these, these, um, these believers were persecuted and Saul, as he's referred to at this point in Scripture, um, he is like driven to end this faith that has begun in in Jesus. They called it back then the way. In Acts, they hadn't even got to the point where they were calling them Christians yet, right? He's like driven to like, I am going to get rid of these people. And so he acquires, think about this, he acquires special permission from the religious leaders to go to another town, to Damascus, just so he can find Christians and lock them up. He couldn't find anything better to do with his life. Like, that's the mission? Like, that's passion right there. That's like going after people, right? And the irony is, 
because most of you in the room know the end of this story. The irony is God's like, hmm, I can use that kind of passion. I can use that kind of drive. Um, let's flip the switch on it. So what happens, or flip the page on it. Acts chapter 9, Paul, Saul Paul is on his way to Damascus to find him some Christians and lock them up. And this is what it says in Acts 9, verse 3. It says, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light shined from heaven and flashed around him. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, who you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul uh, stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he had opened his eyes... He couldn't see anything. So they led him by the hand to Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. So if you will, we'll take a pause just there for a moment. If you will, light flashes around Saul. He's on his way. He's blinded. He hits the ground, and he hears this voice, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Would that get your attention? Saul said exactly what you would say next. Who's that? The answer was probably the last thing Saul wanted to hear in that moment. Jesus. I'm thinking Saul, it doesn't say this in Scripture. I'm thinking the next thought Saul has is, uh-oh. <laughs> I've been persecuting your believers. I'm re ready to go round up some more believers, and here I am. Verse 10 goes on. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come to his place, his hands on him, and restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered. None of y'all ever pray like this, right? You're like, yes, Lord, whatever you ask. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man. And all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority of the chief priest to arrest all who come on your all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim the name, my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to all the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So here's Ananias, he's hanging out in Damascus, and he hears, uh, hears the Lord. He has this vision, and it's like, go to such and such street, to this address, it's uh, to Judas's house, not the Judas who was with Jesus, uh, to Judas's house, and I want you to uh, pray for, for Saul of Tarsus. And Ananias is like, um, but God, you don't understand. None of y'all ever do that, right? God, but, but you don't understand. Uh, here's, here's, could you rethink that? Could you reconsider your position, the Lord? What's amazing is the Lord did not change his mind. He just kind of like stayed with it, like um, kind of like moms and dads, right? It's like, no, that's actually what I asked you to do. Like that's, that, no, that, like really, for sure. No, like, yeah, I do want you to clean your room. Yes, I do, yes. So what if, what if God, though, sends you to your enemy? right? 
What if the one that you're asking for permission for, to, or asking for protection from, what if the one you're saying, God, shield me from their wrath or shield me from their harassment, shield me from the things that they're doing. God, they're bad news and bad business. And the Lord says, I want you to go and lay hands on them. Here's their address, and I want you to pray for them. I mean, that's what's happening here with Ananias. We got to remember, y'all, that our enemy is our mission field. I'm sorry, that was a great opportunity for an amen. Let me, let me try this again. Your enemy is your mission field. I say that with sincerity. Y'all, we were preparing for the uh, Egypt missions trip the other day, and um, it was just me and um, Rebecca and Maisie, and Elizabeth was with us as well um, for the meeting, and we were just preparing, getting things ready, and we were, we were getting ready to pray and stuff like that, and... You know, in Egypt, there's a, a lot of oppression for the believers and things like that. And Maisie made this comment she, uh, as we we're getting ready to pray. She says, I just keep thinking about the 97%. And man, I just was convicted in the moment. I was like, I was like thank you for saying that. I said, I've been so focused on the oppression that believers experience there and the harassment and praying God's grace and provision and things like that, that somehow I was so focused on that that I forgot that, oh, right, they are the mission field. Because, you know, our, our, what we're going to do is going to encourage and equip and inspire and be with those who are being oppressed and those who are being faithful to the Lord. And here's the thing, God has everything that those Christians need for what they're facing. Amen? And we're going to go with a word of faith and an encouragement and things like that. But when Maisie said, I just keep thinking about the 97%, I was like, right. They're the mission field. It's so easy sometimes for us to forget who the mission field is. Amen? Let's use our freedom to love our enemy. Let's use our freedom to reconcile enemies to God. It's the funniest thing, because when we get this perspective, our enemy no longer feels like our enemy. Isn't that interesting? From that standpoint, not talking about the the devil. He's in his own class. Verse 17, then Ananias went to the house and he entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with with the Holy Spirit. Would y'all say Holy Spirit? Oh, it's getting good. Read that again. He has sent me so that you may see again, that you may be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Now, I want to note that from this point all on, Saul who became Paul, would go on to be all the things that you and I recognize, to preach the gospel, to build churches, to write letters to churches that would end up being part of Scripture. And he would himself would suffer crazy persecution for the gospel himself. Talk about tables being turned, right? Like he would go from the persecutor to the one who they were literally beating up. And he's like, what a weird thing that would be, right? To be on the other side of the punch, if you will, the other side of the persecution and going, I was that guy. Here's the thing that like baffles me, right? Like Stephen, when he's being persecuted, um, he forgives the persecutors as he's 
as is giving up his life. Jesus is on the cross. What does he do? He says, forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. I don't know what, about y'all, but I have not reached that level of spirituality. Like, I, I look at that, and it inspires me. I'm like, you love the person who is harming you because you realize that their soul matters, and there's an eternity in front of them, and I want them to know my Jesus. That's so powerful. Paul's life is transformed when Ananias shows up and prays for him. The scales fall from his eyes. And you know that the scales didn't just fall in the natural. They fell in the spiritual as well, right? The scales fell from his eyes and he receives the Holy Spirit. Because when he receives the Holy Spirit in his life, Um, is when he receives God into his life, God's presence, God's spirit. It's when, as they say in John chapter 3 with Nicodemus, he was born of the spirit. He was born again. It was that moment. Here's the key, and it's something that I want to make sure that we all kind of catch this morning. What transformed Paul, the power of transformation, wasn't when the light shined on him and he got knocked to the ground. It wasn't when he was blind. It wasn't when he heard the voice of Jesus saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? That's not what transformed him. All of that served to humble humble the man. Any of y'all ever had any moments in your life that humbled you? Where like, you just like, everything fell apart, and you're like, okay, God, I'm listening, right? All of that served to humble him. And he goes, and he's literally led by the hand to this place. It was when he received the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit in his life. That was the game changer. And if you are a believer today, I want to tell you today, the power of transformation, the power to make a good decision and all of that, it comes from God's presence, God's Spirit in your life. Don't start thinking we're good enough. That was another great opportunity. Don't start thinking you're good enough. Right? Like, don't start thinking, I'm kind of hacking this. I'm getting to be a pretty great person. No, 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 no. It's God in you who empowers you to do the right thing. We got to remember that we got to lean on him, that he's the one who brought the change in our life. You didn't get to be a great person. He's making you into a better person. And when we think we're doing it, that is when we tip over into pride. And that's when we tip over into works. And that's when we tip into all the things that don't produce life in us. And for lack of a better way, cause us to stink in our Christianity. You know what lost people hate? Is arrogance in our faith. It turns them away. Do you know what lost people respect in our faith? Humility brokenness. I don't mean like that fake kind of stuff like, oh, it's, it's just the Lord. Like the kind of weird, it's just the Lord. It really is just the Lord, but you know what I mean. There's a tone to it. It's like, oh, it's just the Lord. And what they mean to say is it's just me and my amazing relationship with God. I'm amazing, but just Jesus. That turns them off, right? False humility. But like really, we got to remember like, and that's what I loved about the Abigail story, right? It's like, like that moment where she realized, like, I'm trying. Like, she really was. She, she lied because she didn't want to get in trouble. She lied because she didn't want people to think she had done something wrong. That was her motivation for lying. So it just made it even worse for her, right, in that moment. But that, 
that moment where you realize, like, it is God's spirit. It is God's spirit. And I want to tell you today, if you have not had that place in your life where you humbled yourself and just said, God, I need you in my life. I need you to be the master and ruler of my life. And I just want to follow you. If you've never had that moment in your life, I just want to encourage you to cry out to God. He is sitting on ready, so ready to come into your life, but he is such a gentleman that he is going to be invited into your life. He's not forcing himself upon you. He's gone, and and Jesus has gone to the cross. He has paid for your sin. He has risen from the dead. He He is ready to give you life and life more abundantly. He's ready to take the shame. He's ready to take the guilt. He's ready to do all those things. He just wants to be invited because he's not trying to force himself on you. He wants to be your God because it's in your heart, because it's a relationship. It's, it, it's, 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 a, it's an interaction between you and him. It's a revelation that he is good and I can follow after him. If you have never made that decision in your heart, or maybe you walked away from that decision in your heart, I just want to tell you today is the day. July the 4th, is your Independence Day. July the 4th is your day to be free. July the 4th is your day to say, God, come into my life and bring me a brand new life. If you are ready to make that decision, if you're watching online, would you go to victorychristian.church and click on Next Step because making that decision in your life is such a great decision. All you need to do is cry out to God, say, God, forgive me of my sins. Come in my life. I want to follow you. And, and he is going to rush into your life. If you're in the in-person service and you're making that decision today, I want to know about it before you leave here because it brings me so much joy. And it, brings, it literally brings heaven joy when people make that decision. I want to go back to Galatians chapter 5 again where it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as itself. It's so clear that God wants you to be free. There's a place in your life today where you feel bound. Take it to the Lord. And let, tell him the place you feel bound in your life and place it before him, and just let him speak. What I love about this scripture is it's just so clear, like freedom is not so that we can indulge in the flesh. What's really neat is you go further on in Galatians chapter 5, and it's like really clear. It gives you the fruits of the flesh, if you will. It's like, you know, anger, rage, sexual immorality. Like these are the things that we're not free so that we can be that. He says, we are free for for the purpose of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, self-control. Like, these are the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Oh, there it is again. There he is again. The fruits of the Spirit in our lives. Real freedom comes when Christ comes into your life. When you are free to do righteous things. When you're free, so and catch this, free so that you don't have to sin. The reality is none of us are powerful enough in ourselves to break the power of sin. 
We cannot do it. That's why I got so excited for Abigail. I was like, yes, you can't do it. None of us can. And when we realize that, it makes us lean into him. And he's there to help. He's there to help. I, um, I have like a list of stories. And I'm like, I, I made a list of stories. And I was like, I don't even know what stories uh, to tell this morning. And all, uh, if you've been around long enough, you've probably heard all of them at least once. Except one. Let me show the one you haven't heard. Um, so Bobby and Jenny Boyd over here. You all see Bobby and Jenny on camera. They're over there. Sorry, we can't. So Bobby and Jenny are called to lead um, Westview on the James, which um, honestly doesn't get enough press for what it does. You know that a 1,000 young people are going to go through Westview and the James this summer and hear the gospel? That's amazing. It's like church camp, and they have their own staff, their own teams, their own, like amazing folks that share the gospel. And each week they'll have, you know, close to 100, sometimes 140, you know, sometimes 60 or 80, like kids coming through every single week. And these kids are hearing the gospel. The story they're hearing this week is actually the story of Paul and his transformation. And watching these kids and their hunger, their hunger for God, their hunger for wanting to be free from the power of sin and the shame and the weight that these these children feel. And, And the thing is, is like, uh, I want to encourage y'all to be praying for the camp. Do y'all know a couple weeks ago when Bobby was sharing, 60 kids made a decision for Jesus. Right? I mean, whew, that's the good stuff right there. These, you know, the kids are getting an opportunity to know the freedom and the transformation that God offers. And, you know, the... Um, the stories of like a Paul, the reality is they're still happening today. When I got back from Central Asia in February, one of the stories that I shared with you is that I'd gone to a dinner with a translator friend of mine, and um, we're sitting there having dinner. He starts telling me the story about how he was persecuted from this famous uh, boxer and how the guy used to beat him up on his way to church, broke his guitar and all kinds of stuff. And when the boxer got strung out on drugs and was dying on his deathbed, the boxer's mother called him, my friend the translator, and said, come pray for him, Ananias. Come pray for your, at least he's debilitated, right? <laughs> I mean, the one thing Ananias had was at least he's blind, right? <laughs> Goes and prays for him, and when, they, when he prays for him, this light shines and they see this cross, and he sees this cross, and he doesn't even have a faculty to understand what's happening. He gets healed, and, and, he get, and he's like, what was it that happened to me? And he starts seeking out, what happened to me? What happened to me? Until finally somebody says, Jesus visited you. Uh oh. Becomes a Christian. We're sitting there at the dinner and I'm listening. I'm in the middle of Central Asia eating my dinner. I'm like, this is the best dinner of my life. I'm just like, love it. I'm like, oh my gosh. And he goes, do you want to meet him? You know what I said? Yes. Hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. Yes. Picks up his phone and calls the guy and he's like, they, and we get in a cab in the middle of the night. We're going through Central Asia. We get into this boxing ring that's in this old Olympic style building in the middle of the night. And this guy's training kids how to box and tell them about Jesus. A few, couple months ago, I get these texts and 
showing me their missions to the border where they go to the border of um, another uh, uh, very difficult Muslim country and they're given Bibles and sharing the Jesus uh, uh, film and, you know, and they're seeing people come to Jesus and the spirit with which they do it. It was such humility and such love. And I'm like, that stuff that we are reading about is happening today. Did y'all hear me? Now here's, here's the... Here's my press for you. It's a kind of a two-front one. First, there are people in your life that you think will never turn to Jesus. You think their brand of rottenness, their brand of toughness, the brand of what they've been through, they're never going to turn to Jesus. But that could be the next Paul. And I just want to tell you today, we have got to contend for those folks. I was one of them. My parents drug me to church as a teenager. And I was like, I don't want to have anything to do with this. I don't believe. I told my parents I'm an atheist. I told the youth group I was an atheist. And you know what the kids did? They loved me. That's all right. We're just going to pray for you. And it was like, and the thing is, is God over a period of months just grabbed my heart and I went from I don't even believe well I'm telling you there are people out there and the thing is forgiven much love much I just want to encourage you today um, in, in, in our nation um, in the world around us don't forget that your enemy is your mission field Don't forget that people still have time. They still have time to choose the Lord. They still have time to turn to him. They still have time. And they're going to see him in you. They're going to see him in you. My other encouragement today is this. Don't forget where your freedom came from. And let's use our freedom to follow after Christ and to let him work in us. Don't... Let's not be arrogant. Let's not, let's not start thinking we did this. That your blessing in your life, your, the good things in your life, that it's from you. Let's, let's, not, let's not be that, that, that person. Let's always remember that if it wasn't for God in our lives, we would have nothing. And we would be poor. We'd be so poor in spirit. We'd be so without. We got so much to be thankful for. So much to be thankful for. If there's an area in your life today where you feel bound, you got to lean into him to be free. If you feel bound and you can't break loose, it's just like Abigail, yes! Yes, Jesus, he's the one who can set you free. He's the one who will set you free. Don't be bound. Let him set you free. It's the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, God in your life who gives us this great freedom. And know this, nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. He will never leave you or forsake you. And his freedom is available to you. Would you stand with me this morning? I'd like to pray with you. If you're willing today, would you just put your hands up to the Lord? Lord, we love you today, and we worship you in this place.
He who the Son sets free is free indeed. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Thank you, Lord, for the real freedom that you offer us today. God, I pray that today that you would remove the heavy yoke, that you would remove the the heaviness in people's lives. And God, that your presence, we invite your presence and your spirit, Lord. We thank you for your Holy Spirit in our lives. And we declare that you are the one who sets us free. You are the one who declares us to be free and who desires us to be free. And Lord, we receive the freedom that we cannot earn, that we cannot get on our own, that Lord, you offer us. And Lord, we just declare our hearts are yours today. Lord, we don't walk in shame. We don't walk in guilt. God, we walk in the freedom of the Lord today. God, I pray that you'd give us a heart for our so-called enemies, Lord God. Father, give us a heart for the mission field, Lord God. Give us a heart for those around us, Lord Jesus. Let a faith percolate in us, Father, for the hard cases. Because, God, if we can believe you for the hard cases, we can believe you for everything in between. May we demonstrate your love. May there be a, 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 such a presence of you in our lives, an overflow of you in our lives, that, God, people around us, saying, I say, I want who you got. I want what you got. And Lord, I pray that your words would come out of our mouth and God, that we would declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. For once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. And we recognize today, God, that it is you who make us a people. And that we find that humbling, exhilarating, and makes us full of joy. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your generosity with it. And thank you that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. We declare and rejoice in the freedom that you have for us today. We love and praise you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus our Christ that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church. Have a great day.